It's time for a bonus, a bonus episode. I love episodes of theater, 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 theater. We're going off the beaten path. Off the beaten path. We're off. off. Check mic one two. Check what check. Is this? How's everyone doing? Bruh. Uh, oh. Oh. Wow! Nice. Oh, it's percussive. You doing? You doing your beatboxing? Is that what yes. You all know how famed I am for my beatboxing. Bailey's I, beatboxer. I'm like actually weirdly good at beatboxing. Yeah, you're great yeah, you, at yes, it. Yes, you are. It's like you you're are. in an acapella choir or something. It's like I'm a pentatonic or something. A pentatonic. Um, whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't do show choir or anything like that, but I just, as a kid, was obsessed with it. I, I watched a lot of like Bismarcky videos and like you know. In modest sure. Yahoo. Sure, I I was a big modest Yahoo guy. I love modest Yahoo. One day was my ringtone in high school. <gasps> really? Yeah. <laughs> one day, one day, and I'd be like, oh, hold on, I have to answer my phone. And I'd listen to. <laughs> 30 seconds of it first. Aren't um, I cool? <laughs> yeah, before that it was fish heads, fish heads, roly poly fish heads, fish heads, fish heads, bite Eat them up, yum. And before that it was my humps, but the MIDI version. Uh -huh. <laughs> All right. right. Yeah, fish yeah. heads. Um, the kid from uh, the original Lost in Space TV show wrote that song. That's right. That's Mine correct. was Baby Shark. Baby really. Shark. Danger, Will Robinson. <laughs> hey guys, we're here to talk <laughs> about fun things. I, I, we've had a long week. I think we've all had some long and weeks. It's Tuesday. Only Tuesday. And it's Tuesday. <laughs> we're recording on a Tuesday, not to date the pod. But we, we, uh, I've had a lot going on. And mm -hmm. I feel like based on our text thread, y'all. Uh, yes. Maybe everyone is going through the shit. So listeners, if y'all are going through the shit too, hopefully this will bring you some, some, some relief, some calm, some happiness, yeah. some joy. Yeah. We're talking mm -hmm. about a, a kind of awesome movie today. Uh, if nothing else, we're going to get to talk about great acting, yeah. great writing. Yeah. Uh, so welcome to Theater Theater, the theater podcast for theater nerds made by three theater makers from the L.A. theater scene. I'm Jay Bailey Burcham. I'm CJ Merriman. And I am Scott Leggett. And as always, to cleanse our palate between playwrights, we offer you another bonus episode of Theater Theater and Stuff, <laughs> where we pick <laughs> theater-adjacent <laughs> things and we nerd out all over them. And this week is a Scott's pick. Uh-huh. So no live NBC musicals this week. No. <laughs> They'll be back. No. But no. oh Peter Pan is next. I'm very excited. Oh, Thanks God. for walking. Oh, God. Uh, but Scott, this is your pick. What what is it, and and why did you choose it? Uh, it is uh, 1982's The Big Chill. Yeah. Um, I chose it, uh, and we talked about it a little bit on previous episodes um, uh, after William Hurt's passing. Right. And I was like, well, you know, and and I know there's there's controversy with him, and he has um, some dark things in closets but uh in terms of an actor he was a huge influence on me i just thought he was amazing uh and then i tried to decide between the big chill and kiss of the spider woman which is a pretty amazing series of performances uh but went with the big chill because it was a little bit lighter it was also just a huge pool of amazing yeah. actors to talk about and great uh, ensemble well yeah and was just excited to sort of 
nerd out and talk about it a little bit. I'm excited about it. Siege, have you seen this movie? Had you seen this movie before Scott brought it up? No, I had never seen it before. Okay, I've only seen it one time before I rewatched it, and I watched it twice before we recorded because I just mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed watching it the first time, but I felt like I was a little bit half paying attention because I was mm-hmm. doing other things, and I was like, no, I want to sit down and really do it, so I did. Uh, and I had a great time watching it both times, but I remembered the first time I watched it was in college. My roommate at the time, shout out to Michael uh, Michael Allen, Michael David Allen, hey, as Mike. he's known. Uh, it probably on Equity card, his name is probably Michael David Allen, the three first names, man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> probably my favorite. No, I, I can't say that because I've liked a lot of my roommates, but the easiest roommate I've ever had where he was just super chill and we got along really well and we also like, liked the same pop culture shit so he actually showed me like it's huge and he showed me like the he showed me studio 60 on the sunset strip like i i Ah, didn't really know about and he was like watch this show that was only one season i fell in love with it he also showed me this movie one night i think he got it on netflix dvd shout out netflix (laughs) Uh, (laughs) back in the day and he was like hey i got this one do you want to watch it and i was like oh i don't Sounds like a bunch of white people in a room complaining. And he was like, kind of, but it's good. And I was like, okay, okay. And yeah, and I was like, great. And I put it on, and or he put it on one night, and I just kind of fell in love with it. And I, I've i never revisited. It's been like eight, nine years maybe since I've watched it. So yeah. this was a fun rewatch. Thank you, Scott, for bringing it back into my life. This was yeah. super fun. Uh before we get too much into like who made it, who's in it, mm-hmm. the performances, all that other shit, I think it's important for people to understand how, what what it's about, but like from like a perspective that's not necessarily theirs. Like maybe it's like CJ's perspective. I don't know. Maybe, I, I, I don't want to <laughs> put that on you. What? I don't want to put that on you. It's time people CJ. knew my perspective. Right. And like, <laughs> I, I, I think we have a stinger for it, so we should just. Yeah. <laughs> CJ's breakdown. A once close knit gang of college buds, including an actor, a doctor and her husband, a Vietnam War vet, and a journalist, meet for a weekend after the funeral of their friend Alex, who committed suicide. Mm -hmm. They spend the weekend drinking, jogging, smoking dope, reminiscing, confessing, hitting on Alex's younger girlfriend, and attempting to get one of the other gals pregnant. They must also face unresolved issues they have with Alex and with one another. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I. This I've got is... a lot of takes on this after this rewatch too. I yeah, I want to hear them because I've had a lot of since I moved to LA. I, I shouldn't say a lot. I've had two specific instances that brought me back to sort of a f- friend group. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One, one happy, a wedding, and one not so happy. And I just, on these rewatches, the question I want to ask before we get into this as like a big context point. Mm. Who are you in this movie? Ooh. Who are you right now in this movie? Who are you? Ah, that's a great question. And um, we'll get deeper, obviously, into all these characters, but like, I want to know. But I got to think about that. I don't know. I'll give you my answer while you yeah. think. Yeah. I, yeah. I'll be completely honest with you. I don't think I would have said this years ago, but today, rewatching, my thought is 
I think I'm Alex. <laughs> <laughs> like truly, I think I'm Kevin Costner. I think I think I'm the one who who killed himself. And I don't mean that to say like I'm gonna kill myself. I like take that out of the equation, obviously. But the discussions surrounding him and the way that I interact with my friend group and have had to interact with them in the past like five years mm -hmm. is very similar. And I we'll talk about it later, but like I think I'm Alex. I don't know. <laughs> but maybe I'm just Tom Berenger and I just don't want to admit it. I don't know. Okay. Scott. Yeah, I think I some I I, I think uh, that might be after you said that, that might be true for me as well. I'm so, I feel like I'm somewhere between between Tom Berenger and William Hurt in terms of how what my persona is within yeah. that core group of folks. I'll be honest, Scott. I felt a lot of you in Hurt. Mm. Oh, Thank and not you. in a negative way. <laughs> no, 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 no because I know his his character's a toughie, but. Certain lines, certain moments, specifically, I'm jumping ahead, but specifically his like Smeagol Gollum moment where he's filming himself. Oh my God, yeah. Mm -hmm. I was a like, huge impact on This him. is Scott. Like, Scott would do this and like... be this good at it. You know? <laughs> Thank you. And I feel yeah. like if, if this was a play, you could play, you could step into that role, no questions asked. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that's my take. Siege, who are you? Siege, who are you? Well, I feel, thinking about it now, maybe I could be Alex, but also I feel like I could almost be a Jeff Goldblum minus the horn dog stuff. <laughs> sure, but like if you replaced horn dog with like, with like desire to talk about theater or something, like, I don't know, like I just feel like he's you. Like, Non-sexuality, then sure, yes. Sure, 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 sure. <laughs> well, um, and just yeah. like, just, just, sort of marvelously charmingly jackass through the whole damn thing He's and like the horn dog thing even the horn dog stuff is so yeah. funny like his takes on it are so yeah. funny um yeah right because like i think of the women and i feel like all the women in this movie are in different stages of like bad marriage bad relationship or i really want to get pregnant and i don't sure feel like I don't, I don't feel like I identify with any of them. Mm. And the, I think the thing that's weird for me about this movie is, and it feels very, I mean, what? They're in North Carolina, South Carolina? They're in one of the Carolinas. Yeah. I am not friends with anyone that I went to college with anymore. Like, I have a couple people that I've reconnected with, and I guess right. Brian, the writer and director of Future Tripping, we've now become friends. But, like, I, my group of friends almost gets scrambled and replaced almost every 10 to 15 years sure S same here same yeah. here you know i mean there, there's still some old friends that you know jamie gannon friend of the show sure um is somebody that you know i we would if we were in the room together we would immediately reconnect we would immediately right. um uh know where we were each other were at and sure. i've got a lot of those people in my life that have come in and out and rotated through you know, I, I was a floater in high school, so I had, like, a lot of different friends who I've, like, reconnected with and stuff from high school or, like, not reconnected with or, like, whatever it may be. But I'm not, like, super close with anybody from high school anymore. It's just a, yeah, just me a fact. Either. And it just hasn't happened, which is fine. I mean, mm -hmm. I have people I keep in touch with uh, social media-wise. And, sure. you know, oh, you're getting married. Amazing. I'm going to like your stuff. But besides one family who was, like, my second family, that's different. That's a 
whole other thing. Uh, mm-hmm. The Biglers. Shout out to the Biglers. I don't think they should. They listen Biglers. To That's a good uh, my family fr- name. <laughs> my freshman year English teacher, Mrs. Bigler, Lori Bigler, uh, like took me under her wing and changed my life and handed uh. me Catcher in the Rye and Frankenstein and, you know, Brave New World and was like, here, be think different. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, so uh, I found a home there. But my point is, like, outside of that family, like, I really have had, I-, I really haven't connected correctly. Like, w- correctly. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't, I'd never had a group anyway. There was never right. a core group. It was just random people. Everyone College. hated me in high school, so I yeah. didn't maintain any friendships. Well, people you know, thought I was a bitch in high school, which maybe I, I was. I think that's okay. I'm I'm <laughs> learning more and more that the people who like didn't socially like do so hot in high school, like, is it was for the better. And I think you're yeah, one of those right. people. I think I'm one of those people. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but but college is where I found like a more core group specifically because we were living in the dorm together. So we just like were. We just became sure. a core stoner group, if you want the truth, who liked theater. And we j- just got really cool. And that's the group I was talking about. I've been back with t- two different times. But uh, I- I've, similarly to them, like, I don't – it's not like we're all, like, in a group thread that's constantly updating each other. It's not right. like we're all calling each other every week. Like, mm-hmm. it's very, like, oh, I heard that's happening. Cool. Uh, Right. Yeah, I like yeah. the picture. It's that kind of stuff again. And I, I think this group is very different than anything I've ever had. And it sounds like yes, y'all have for ever sure. had. Right. And, and I th- also think it's mm, a, maybe a generational thing. Sure. I think a lot of those baby boomers held on to a long time. And that's kind of what we're watching is, is right. that in the film the the drama of the film is holding on to uh, a generation who had mar- sort of marked in wars a t-shirt that they were distinctly different and right. that they were going to change the world but you know in the movie they kind of are getting absorbed by the world you know i think it was a question a lot of baby boomers asked a lot in the 80s right. and 90s were we good? Were we really good? Or... Which maybe goes to this thing that I was feeling the whole time I was watching it um, these last two times. It, how old are they meant to be? In their 30s? Mid-thir- early 30s? Mid-thir- That's mid-30s. what it felt like. Early mid-30s, mid-30s, right? So we're all older than them at this point. Yeah. I'm maybe their age, right? Like, yeah. like, But, like, did they you They all feel so old, much older. <laughs> That's what I was about to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And maybe it's because I know these actors and I've seen them now as... 50-somethings, 80s, or excuse me, 60-somethings. But, like, honestly, like, I felt like I was watching 50-year-olds the whole time almost. Like, right. yeah, that's it's, how it's it, it, it was hard to, yeah, it's hard to disconnect So many that. of yeah. them are married with children and have right. houses. And they're established. And yeah. they're, they have these, like, big, big, well, I do this with big quotes, like, adult careers where we're right. just, like, Working well, a couple day jobs and doing theater. Well, right. when we and I can. think a lot of things have changed. And now, now of course, you know, most of our friend groups are probably theater based friend groups, right? Like, I don't have of a course. lot of doctor friends. I have a few, but not like a ton, right? right. So, you know, I, I get that, that this is a very different world that they're in anyway, but also generationally, like now, people say it all the time 20 is the new 30, like all that kind of stuff, or 30 is the new 20, excuse me, mm-hmm. which I, I, I think is, is very true. And I think. Tom Berenger has this great quote that I think actually now speaks more to a later time in your life than it used to, which is, this is his quote, 
This film is about that period in life when you're beginning to realize you have limitations, that you will never accomplish certain goals and dreams. Suddenly, you know you're not a kid anymore. And I think that's true in mm. your 30s. But I, I would argue that that's like, that's moved further. It's got like, people are, uh, Brian Cranston, Cranston right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Brian Cranston, I almost said Krasner. Brian Cranston. <laughs> Brian Krasner. Brian, yeah. Brian Krasner, friend of the show. We love him deep, deeply. Uh, no, but Brian Cranston books Malcolm in the Middle when he's 46 or some yeah. shit. Yeah. And then, I mean, I, I don't maybe it was 41, 42, but still, then doesn't do Breaking Bad till he's in his 50s. And it's like, we can, and, and people are constantly selling books in their 60s. People are constantly uh, finally selling their script, doing whatever. Like, there is we've changed that it's generational for yeah. sure yeah i think we've we've changed that thing though right like right. we've reversed it a little bit well yeah and you can point to that generation as as the ones who started sort of breaking those molds yeah. in terms of thinking of i mean you uh you know mary Kay plays his character wanting to have a baby without a husband that was a that was a kind of radical fucking crazy limb to go out on at that time, you know, in the world. And, you know, today we wouldn't bat an eye about it, but, um, so those sorts of things I think got started to get broken there, but I think you're absolutely right, Bailey. Like the, the expected norms aren't in place anymore. The, you know, the graduating from college and getting a job and da, 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 that's all, broken i think that's why william hurt's character seems and why alex's character who haunts the whole thing yeah it's such a big deal he couldn't figure out what he wanted to do couldn't figure out who he was and and rather than accepting that it was all a journey like he he kills himself and then brings them all together to to ask those questions and talk about right i have to say i loved I mean, it's sad, but I loved the whole device of Alex. And unless I missed it somewhere, we never see a picture of him. You, I, you don't know what he was doing before. You don't know, like, other no, than the affair. It. So they, here's the thing. They cut, they cut it. Oh. They, they, cut it. they filmed legitimate scenes with Kevin Costner playing Alex. Got it. Okay. The younger Kevin Cos and uh, uh, Waterworld's Kevin Costner. Silverados. Um, <laughs> Silverados. Kevin, Kevin the Postman. Hatfield and McCoy's. Right. Well, sure. Of course, his greatest <laughs> endeavor. His greatest endeavor ever. Um, Hatfields versus McCoy's. Uh, no, but he he Prince shot of thieves. like full. Of course, the Postman. Uh, he he legitimately uh, Superman's dad. Um, <laughs> What else can we do? Uh, dances, <laughs> dances with the wolves. Uh, he, no, but we, we we stand Kevin Costner. He's he's it, but he is the body at the beginning that yeah. they are dressing for the funeral. It's him. Okay. Because at some point it was gonna pan up and show him, but since he got cut, they were like, well, we can't show Kevin Costner and then him not be in the movie. Right. Like, right. He had done some things by then. Right. So. That's an interesting piece of this. Um, another piece of this that I think is really exciting is we talked about it being an ensemble cast. This is a true ensemble because when you say whose story is this, you can't even say Alex. Like some yeah. people will be like, it's Alex's story. It's like, it's not. Like mm -hmm. they really only bookend talking about him. There's a mm -hmm. whole middle section where they don't even bring him up. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so more about like, them interacting with it one is. another. And then some people would maybe say like, "Oh, it's Glenn Close's story," and it's like, really? Because they underutilize the shit out of her. If that's the mm-hmm. truth, right. Right. you like, see her boobies. That's oh yeah, she cries in the shower. She does a John Mahoney and say anything <laughs> in the shower, boobies. but she's naked. Yeah, <laughs> sad boobies. Um, but what I love about this ensemble cast is that they did live together for a few weeks before filming began, and. <laughs> I love did this. acid and lived probably. in a commune <laughs> like Honestly, I hope so, <laughs> and probably yes. And I'm sure they were doing tons of coke. I'm sure there was drugs all over the place. I'm sure they the were decade. all fucking, fucking all over the place. And I, I think it does. You can see it here. You can feel their their shared history. You can feel the hierarchies, the dynamics, the the back and forths that. It, it, it fully works for me. A really great story that Kasdan tells, who we should talk about, the director, uh, Lawrence Kasdan, who also co-wrote it. He tells this great story about how one day they were like all hanging out in the kitchen and he was like, and they were just kind of improvising and doing stuff. And he was like, okay, what if all seven of you make a meal together right now and do it in character? But you have to like divvy out who does what, who chops the onions, who boils the water, who salts everything, who is checking, who's doing the oven. And Glenn Close sort of like took over because it's her kitchen, right? Mm -hmm. And they ended up for five hours in character, no direction, nothing, making a meal, talking, making out, doing crazy shit. And five hours to make a meal. <laughs> well, right. No, I don't know that the, it was fully the meal in the five hours, but it, maybe it was a roast. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> the crack but, pot. Uh, I don't know. It was very interesting. No, he, he has no, a whole yeah. like quote about it. He tells the whole story. I thought that was super, super fantastic. Yeah, or, because it was, I mean, it was a group of actors. Like there was no movie stars here. They were all actors who understood the craft. And so you know doing that stuff and digging in like that becomes you know you can yeah you absolutely can feel it you know especially just in the moments where they're just hanging out and like watching tv and like just just lounging like it's fantastic it's it's great um oh real quick about the costner thing i forgot about this sorry because mm. i think we can step away from it after this kevin costner people like have begged to see that footage oh and Kazan has like specifically been like, hell no. Like no. it will you taint the movie. Yeah, yeah, you don't get it. It's going to taint the movie for you. You don't want to see this. He has still photography that he's put in like documentaries and stuff, but nothing. Because there's a flashback scene where right. you see right. him and right. and everybody's dressed up younger and hippier yeah. and yeah i don't want to see that i don't want to see any i don't like think that. i do either and people have uh, uh, asked for him to do like a director's cut and he's like hell no no i, no. I will not touch this perfect work of mine <laughs> uh interesting okay sorry go ahead scott no i was gonna say you know my takes on it this time were were more interesting as i was looking through you know sort of a, a writing prism um because i do feel at the end that it where I, I, I love the end. I feel like it's sort of this complete little package. They don't, they pull their punches a little bit. And I say they, I mean, Kasdan and oh, what was her, what was the co-writer? Barbara. Ah, yeah, that's it. And they, um, <laughs> uh, it's Barbara Benedek. 
Barbara Benedict, and they um, they kind of pull their punches because they start off with this very provocative, and it's it's like this you pan into the preacher at the funeral. Yeah. Where did Alex's hope go? Yeah, and it's like that's the movie, like that's the question, that's your theme, that's what you're going with, but we never really get an answer to it. We get a few moments of it. But the genius of the movie for me is is all of those moments. It's the little bits. It's the one-liners that everybody delivers perfectly. Like yeah. everybody just nails their one-liners. And you know how much of it may have been improvised or not is is um, I, I don't know. But it 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 still it still works. It I I wasn't they I did wasn't a lot of improv, which is it, awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I wasn't it's basically uh, like Ragnarok. Like it was basically Ragnarok. <laughs> it was basically a Taika Waititi set. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Uh, I would love Taika Waititi's big show. I, I finally hey. watched What We Do in the Shadows today. Oh, what a The classic. movie? <laughs> yes, the movie. Okay. So, so I can good. watch the TV show. It's awesome. It's so good. Uh, so we should talk about the writing because the writing is fantastic. This is um, Lawrence Kasdan writes it with Barbara Benedek. And you. the only other thing I know that she's written is she wrote the screenplay for Sabrina the uh the remake of sabrina right Ooh, the spookier one is it spookier isn't it supposed to be a little less like of the teenage witch and i'm talking about the old audrey hepburn Hepburn. film oh Uh, that's okay pardon me that's all right uh the original the original because i'm a big sabrina the teenage witch fan we can get (laughs) into that We'll do an Insta. I haven't seen Uh, the new one melissa joan hart for forever yes Uh, but (laughs) she's a trumper though is she? Oh, she's a okay, conservative, well, man. I didn't know. Um, also, not that we're judging so, conservatism, yeah. but if you're a conservative, yes, um, change your mind. Um, <laughs> because of this podcast, change your mind. Yes. Uh, so, Sabrina. Sabrina. Sabrina is a movie that is an old Hepburn film, Audrey Hepburn film, right? I believe. Humphrey Bogart. Yeah. Humphrey. No, no, no. It's not. It's yeah, Audrey. it's you know you're right. Audrey Hepburn and 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 Humphrey Bogart. Humphrey, you're correct. And they decided to remake it, which I think we've learned our lesson. You don't remake Hepburn movies, right? Like that's sort of, they're kind of just like well, yeah, you don't. That. Any of those big classics are just there's just no the point time. because she's yeah. like the reason why they work most yeah. of the time. Like mm-hmm. Breakfast at Tiffany's, the book is great, but like the the movie's not. But she's so great that it's like iconic, right? So I think. So this movie, Sabrina, this remake does not work. This is a um, uh, Harrison Ford. Uh, who was the Sabrina? Who was supposed to take on the new Hepburn? Oh, uh, Julia Ormond. That's right. That's right. <laughs> who you may know from um, a from lot of Legends stuff. of the Fall. I don't oh know. Oh my God, she's got. A, yeah, she's huge though. <laughs> my date with Marilyn, which we brought up uh, on the last episode. Which, by the way, you know, hey, real quick, something I thought about. I, that I didn't bring up. And that this is a horrible place for this to go in the podcast. <laughs> but I'm just going to say it. Digressions. Albie, Albie was a bit racist when it came to like how people cast his shows. I don't know if we, we got into that. but like, I think we talked about it a little bit. Like, yeah, yeah, we did. Who's well. afraid? Who's afraid? Like mm-hmm. he's, he's like, no, it can only be white people. I didn't actually know any of that. I found that out this weekend. And I was like, hmm, that's, mm. that's upsetting. But there's like a that. book about it by Kyle Turner called Who's Afraid of White Fragility? Ooh. And I'm going to find it, and I'm going to read it, and I'll get back to you on it. Anyway, that's all I had to say about it. Uh, <laughs> Don't question. Oh, so the 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 script. 
the only other thing that she has written that I know of is Sabrina in 1995. She also writes a, a movie in 1990. Uh, but then Kasdan's career is pretty epic. He well, has yeah. writing credits as like punch up for a like Star Wars movie, like the original trilogy. He was like in the rooms. Well, he he wrote ended up rewriting the Empire Strikes Back script. Right. He wrote Return of the Jedi. Right. He wrote co-wrote Raiders of the Lost Ark. He co-wrote uh Force Awakens. Yep. And he co-wrote right. Solo a Star Wars story. Am I right? With so, his solo a Star Wars story with his son, who is the little boy singing Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Yes. In the uh, opening scene. That's Jonathan. Cute. And then the other son is the one the little boy who asks Sam for the autograph and is like, I'll give you a buck. Right. That's mm-hmm. the older one who directed like the Jumanji movie and some he's huge. He's done right. like a lot. All right. So, now yeah, yeah, yeah. Lawrence Kasdan also does things like Silverado, like you brought up. Body Heat. Yeah, okay. way different movies, but they're great. Body Heat's fantastic. He also directed... Now, we brought up Damian Lewis last time, and I was trying to think of movies he's been in. He was in a little movie called with Morgan Freeman called Dreamcatcher, based on Ooh, a Stephen yes. King book about shit weasels that come alive in the woods... And you have to have dream catchers surrounding you, or the weasels made of shit will come kill you. Okay. Dream weasels. Yeah. That's a terrible film that no one should ever watch, but it was, I remember shit it was like weasels. a big deal. Yeah, it's about like shit monsters. Yeah, like yeah. Actual shit weasels. You'll look it up. <laughs> look it up. Um, anyway, so Kazdan has this pretty massive career, uh, but this is one of his more like just him doing what he wanted to do kind of projects, right? Yeah. Uh, this and, like, The Accidental Tourist, I think, are sort of what are considered his his the most him. Um, was he involved with broadcast news? No. He wasn't. Okay, no. I didn't think so. No. Um, uh, feels like he should have James been. L. Brooks. Well, it's Brooks, but I feel like he, like, should have, like, helped write it or something. I don't right. know. <laughs> um, uh, but, yeah, so so their careers are interesting. The direction of this film is is adequate. I don't. I don't think it's bad. No, it's 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 not overtly dynamic, but it's right. you know it does I like what the it's supposed to do. Editing of the film greatly. Yeah. I fucking loved the soundtrack. Oh, and oh, yeah, one of the great the soundtracks soundtrack. of all times. Like tell him that you're never gonna leave him. Tell him the song that gets to me anytime it starts playing is uh, the weight. Oh yeah. Oh. Yeah, and it's a great Classic. little montage too. It is, it, and with the Jeff Goldblum button, are we, are we the first ones up? I yeah. just, <laughs> <laughs> I just love it. Classic. So uh, do we want to step through these Some performances? Of the cast? Yeah, Some of the cast Why not? real quick. Okay, so first of all, we have uh, let's start let's start here. First of all, we have Sam, we have Berenger. We well, have actually, Tom Berenger. Real quick. You Let's know? start from like how we see them because the first people we meet are Klein and Close, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kevin Klein and, and and Glenn Close. I love how this movie starts. It starts, uh, I guess you could call it in media res because it starts yeah. and we don't know what's happening. We're just in the bathroom. There's a bath happening and they're talking. They're singing. There's there's some conversation Jeremiah happening with the kid. Yeah, right. Yeah. And it's over the Columbia Pictures. 
studio yeah, level, which yeah, I love. Yeah, yeah, old school one too. Right. Yeah. So I would I would consider it like in media res because it's it's starting in a place where I'm sort of like, what's going on? And she's Drop, getting the dropping call. Dropping in. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's getting the, the call about the Alex. Phone's already ringing, um, and the the call happens. And then the first twenty five minutes are basically like a montage of pre funeral, everyone finding out, and then like the funeral and then the burial. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's kind of just one big segment. Like you don't know anybody yet. Right. You don't, you're just, you're sort of, you're not seeing their dynamics with each other yet. You're just kind of like, okay, all these people lost someone. Great. It feels like it, it but without all the, the, without part one. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's part, it's, it's it part two, or you're just sort of, you're like, oh, like, I don't know who what these kids' history is, but apparently they're coming together because something's going on. Right. Um. So let's start there. Kevin Klein. Let's start with him. Pass or St. fail? Louis actor. Yeah. <laughs> pass or fail? Super pass. <laughs> I don't know that anyone fails here. No, I don't recognize Kevin Klein without a mustache. Which <laughs> this movie was He's quite so an impressive. He's so young. Yeah. Showcase of mustaches. Like yeah, so many of those guys looked like my dad. Right. <laughs> um, but he's great. He's the he's the baseline on which everything else. He's the good guy. We mm-hmm. know he's the good guy. You see him, you know, giving his kid a bath. And then as as it as that montage unfolds, the I heard it through the grapevine. Mm-hmm. You know, he's the one in the parking lot directing the cars to park. Right. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he's he you know, he's the one who sits in the front he's the one who speaks he is the leader of the group and he's fantastic at it you know without being like a controller of the group no right? no right? it's just his natural default just, that he's the, the one who's going to try and make things okay yeah yeah and even the way he like treats glenn close and like it's it we kind of love this guy yeah. like from the moment he's like cleaning his kid's foot to you know you're just like oh okay. i also he's... like his running shorts yeah Great wow. shot. Oh, Jesus Christ. You yeah. can see like, it. That no, package my, those are very my dad short. has They're those shorts short. and still fits in them. Oh, so. my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, see it. Send pics or it didn't happen. Um, yeah, Kevin Klein fucking rocks. I love Kevin Klein. I mean, I guess his like big start to his career was Pirates, right? Pirates of Penzance. Yeah, and then he did Sophie, Sophie's Choice. And then Sophie's Choice, uh, you know, well, okay, so Pirates that of was his big film. Does, yeah. Right. Right, he does the pirates on stage, and then I believe the TV movie that they did of it is yeah. him. Mm-hmm. And Lansbury, I think, was in that as well. And then they do, and then he does Sophie's Choice, which skyrockets because sure. that's you know it's. I think he had done a lot of stage too. In I think between. so too. I think he so was too. a Juilliard dude, I right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then right, yes, he was. And then uh, uh, he does Pirates of Penzance, the movie as the Pirate King, and then his next movie is The Big Chill. Yeah. So he's he's not like a massive star here. No, none of them are big stars. William right. Hurt arguably is the biggest one at that point because of Body Heat. Um, yeah, which, arguably, but, I guess. But that that wasn't like a big blockbuster movie. It was no. just a really well received, well done movie. Right. Yeah. Right. And Goldblum hasn't done The Fly yet. Nope. We'll get there. We'll nope. get there. So, uh, so coming off of the big chill, he does Silverado, obviously, and then um, his next big one is is a fish called Wanda. Yeah, and he's you know, famously called dish, Kevin Decline in Decline. Hollywood because yes. he because he constantly turn, has turned things down. Right, mm-hmm. but he 
he does he loves i mean he's on stage all the time in mm-hmm. new york so if you had asked me as a kid who he was i would have said the other guy from wild wild west <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> i i don't know if it's still going and i should look it up but when i was getting ready to graduate from college they were trying to start theater awards in st louis and they were going to be the kevin klein awards oh, oh really yeah is that because he's where he's from yeah, he's a St. Louis dude. Oh, interesting. I wonder well, if this is still going on. Oh, I hate But like, what's what is his most recent like solid performance? Like, I, or like even like thing that made money? I I I'm looking here. I, it looks like Beauty and the Beast is the last thing he did of note. Which is he's Maurice. He's right. crazy old Maurice. <laughs> uh, and then he's on Bob's Burgers. He's on Bob's Burgers. He's got Who's a movie he in Bob's post. Burgers? He's he's the mayor. No shit. He's in the, the, and the Miss, and the one Mr. with the eye patch. Yeah, with the eye patch. No shit. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. fantastic. He does some other voices too on occasion, he, but he that's, does, right? Yeah. Right. That's like his. He main does like I some love other. That. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he's got a movie coming out right now called The Diary. Comes out this year. It's a 1930s Shanghai man goes from Shanghai to Europe to reunite with his love kind of story. Right. And it looks like it's a uh, it's a Jackie Chan. Oh, it's Jackie Chan's son. What? Directed, What's happening? This is written and directed by Jackie Chan. Holy crap. You've, you heard it here first, folks. People probably know about <laughs> what? this. This is crazy. Okay, so this is a film written and directed by Jackie Chan. It's coming out this year. Starring Kevin Klein and J.C. Chan. And, which is Jackie Chan's, or maybe it's pronounced Jackie, but it's J-A-Y-C-E-E, Chan. Andy Lau and Noah Centineo? Centineo? All right. He's done very little. I don't know. I, all right. All so right. Kevin Klein, I don't know. Where, like, where you been? Uh, I don't know. What else? Yeah. What else has he done? Yeah, it's just a, it's a random, random thing. <laughs> Orange County. He did Orange County. <laughs> okay, he te- yeah. He plays the teacher that... that uh, Colin I saw Hanks that. goes to me. He's uncredited in it. Yeah, I saw that. This is weird. My brother went to American Film Institute. Or no, at the time he was at USC. And he was taking a class from Leonard Malton. Okay. And people would come in and show their unfinished films mm-hmm. to the, this class. And they would discuss them and like where they were at in the process. And I, my brother was like, here, come audit this. I was like, what year was Orange County? 2002? I was 12. So I was 12 years old, and he was like, come audit this class. And I was like, great. And I went, and they showed – the makers of Orange County came and showed this movie. It just had no music. Oh, no. And it was the most awkward, weirdest movie I had ever seen. And I was just like, this will not go anywhere. And I was like a Jack Black fan at the time even. And I was just like, well, I don't – this is a terrible film. And it did pretty well, actually, weirdly. Yeah, it's a good um, little – it's a good little – one of my favorite saw, Jack Blacks. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he's in the ice storm. Kevin oh, the ice, in the storm. ice storm. Oh my god, my, that's, one of my favorite. The, the, yeah. Ang Lee. yeah, that might be so my good. favorite Ang Lee. Yeah, uh, uh, it's up there. I'm a, I'm a might big sense of sensibility. Favorite. I'm a big crouching tiger. I'm a big Hulk. Yeah, I'm I mean, back. Hulk. 
His Hulk fucking. Oh, it's good. Oh, wait, it's no. Good. I was thinking of the bad Hulk. My bad. No, no. That the, one. This is the, the one that's right. not connected to you. The yes. Although it, is, although it is technically canon because it is the only origin Hulk film, and The Incredible Hulk does pick up in the same place where that one. I'm just saying, it's, technically, it's canon. <laughs> so it's canon. Um. He's also the voice of uh, the, the the blonde, annoying dude in Hunchback. Uh, he's the voice of uh, Phoebus. Phoebus. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, okay, so next, Glenn Close. Glenn. Man, I love know her, Glenn Close. You might know her from her starring role in Hook as one of the pirates. <laughs> you motherfuckers. <laughs> you motherfuckers. We're going to have to put more time, more time on it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Glenn Close has a beard in it. It's it's a masterpiece. <laughs> what? I didn't even know that till like five years ago. So how did you not know that? It's clearly Glenn Close with a beard. Because I was a child and I didn't know who Glenn Close was. Well, um, you should have ex- seen for... Fatal Attraction first. You're right. I should have seen that as a six-year-old. <laughs> but I will. I did know her as Cruella because yeah. she's yeah. she's live-action Cruella all day every day. Before Emma Stone. <laughs> Well, Pre- we don't talk about that. <laughs> Did y'all see that movie? I didn't. No, no. It won for costumes, no. didn't it? Yeah. Yes, which sure, fine. But let's let, we're not going to give it any more airtime than this. Oh, okay. Pardon Horse me. shit. It's oh garbage. no! It's just yeah. I dog shit my, I inside of horse shit. A oh, horse no. ate dog shit and shit it out. Oh no! And then they wrote it on paper. They oh, wrote. Shit. They used it as the ink. But well. Glenn Close is lovely. Glenn and Close I mean, is fantastic. <laughs> and I mean, just uh, an amazing career. Again, she wasn't Glenn Close yet. This is Big <laughs> Chill. Do you know what the pretty... only movie she had done before this was? What? It's a Robin Williams film. Oh, The World According to Garp. Yes. Which is one of my favorite books and movies. I still use Garp logic today. Do you know what Garp logic is? Tell Mm-mm. me. So he in the in the movie he and his wife are looking for houses. They're house shopping and they find one and they're like, ah, oh, they're him and in Han. And a plane randomly flies into it, like a small yes. little plane. Right. And Garp turns around, Ron Williams turns around and goes, We have to buy this house. Yeah. Do you know what the chances of another plane flying into this house are? Yeah. Let's get it right now. And so that, that's my it's Garp logic. But yes, she's fantastic. She plays um Garp's ultra feminist mother in it, yes. and yes, is amazing. Yeah, she's fantastic. So that's her. Uh, before that, she does the TV movie of the Elephant Man and a few others. Um, she, she was a stage stage. She's person. big stage. She, she was right. Yale. Did she go to Yale? She, I don't oh, remember. Let's find out. Hey, Glenn, Alexa. where'd you go? Where'd you go, Glenn Close? There's yeah. where she went. Where'd you um, go, It doesn't Glenn say Close? here where she went. It says she has eight Academy Award nominations here. That's all it says. It's fine. She was all born right. in Greenwich, Connecticut. Oh, she went to William and Mary. Wow. And then. she her uh, professional <laughs> be- her career began on stage in 1974 with Love for Love. Yeah, and then I mean, after that, she does. Uh, after this, she does The Natural, which is huge. She does. She's <gasps> Maxie and Maxie. She's in uh, Fatal Attraction, obviously. Dangerous Liaisons. Uh, Damages is the show she's been on for years now that people love. What was the movie she came, that she was in last last year? Hillbilly Elegy. 
Oh, and she looks amazing in it. Yeah, her 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 prosthetic work, her makeup work is phenomenal. But I heard nothing but negative things about this movie. I never watched it. Uh, yeah, Which I just one? saw a bunch I'm of sorry. billboards for it. Hillbilly, Hillbilly Elegy. Elegy. Oh no, it got yeah, I got slammed. I never watched it. Yeah. Uh, but before that, she does The Wife, which is a phenomenal she really should. I really wish she would have won for that. It's a great I, it's performance. It's insane that she doesn't win for The Wife. This is, I mean, yeah, absolutely phenomenal performance. Uh, also starring uh, someone we've talked about on this podcast a lot, Jonathan Price. Jonathan Price. Jonathan Yellowface Price. Yeah, uh, <laughs> complicated Jonathan Price. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, you know, hey, Albert Nobbs. That's a good Remember, name. Remember that movie? Anyone? 2011? No. In 2011, they do a movie called Albert Nobbs, which is about a, uh, a person struggling to survive in the 19th century Ireland where women aren't encouraged to be independent. What? So she poses as a man. Oh, that's right. I do To be a butler. That. And it's like a charming little true story movie. Uh, it's interesting. It's not great. Um, anyway, so she, she's, she's had some big, some big, big hits, some big misses. Anything else? Nothing? No, no. She's fine. Who's next on your Uh, list? Goldblum. Goldblum. I wonder what it's like to be perpetually handsome. What a perfect person. (laughs) Well, you know, I saw him, I saw his jazz whatever at the uh rockwell hot like i went on like an okay cupid date there and got okay rosé for way too much money right okay cupid very... leads to okay rosé is how it works <laughs> he's a very good piano player like he was he's yeah. he's good on stage like he was nice he was cool to watch yeah uh he hadn't done much before this he has a very brief appearance in annie hall right he is in Either Death Wish or Death Wish Two, early on in his career, right? Uh, and but he hadn't he hadn't done much before that. No, which is interesting because, like you said, Siege, like his look, I feel like he should just be all, booking up the ass, like from the time he's like seventeen. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, so he's in that first Death Wish. He's like one of the freaks. Yeah. Uh, after that, you know, he, he has a run of just, like, being small parts and random shit. Starsky and Hutch, Columbo, uh, uh, things like this. Jurassic Where, Park. I'm going to find something interesting, though. Okay, yeah. Take that. Big out. Chill Take- is his first major thing. Oh, he's, oh, we did an in-stuff on one of his early films. The right stuff. Oh, he's yes. the recruiter that wasn't even written into the, it was written as, like, one person, but they liked him so much that they added oh. his role yeah, or something. Yeah, it was him and, him right. and Harry Shearer. Yeah, right. and they just let them improv. Like, everything they say on screen is them making shit up. Yeah. All right. So this, that's right after this. In fact, I bet it was filmed before The Big Chill. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was. I remember being around this all around the same time, yeah. Yeah, because Right Stuff was a long, arduous shooting process, oh, I'm pretty God, sure. Yeah. Whereas Big Chill, I think, was like, they kicked it for a few weeks, and then they shot for two weeks. Like It was right. like, they just did it. Um, after this, though... Buckaroo Banzai. Oh fuck yeah, he's dude! Like Buckaroo Banzai. His direct follow-up. Oh he's in my that, god. He's with Ed Begley Jr. He's in that uh, Transylvania Six Five Thousand, which yeah. is actually kind of an interesting one. And then he does The Fly. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. coming off The Fly, he does Beyond Therapy, one of the worst movies we've watched for this podcast. <laughs> Did you guys watch that? Did we watch it? 
We what? read it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I we read it, and oh, I ended right, up watching right. the movie. Is that Durang? Because it's Durang. Okay. And Jeff Gold Durang Durang Durang, <laughs> and Jeff Goldblum is the lead character in it, and it's bad. It's a bad movie. I don't know if y'all watched it, but it's I very eighties. Like yeah. I remember the script being like, "This didn't age well." Yeah, it was really bad. <laughs> uh, but then it, you know he does. Earth Girls are easy. Uh, Jurassic Park. No one's ever heard of that movie. <laughs> Independence Day. Uh, Independence Day, the sequel. <laughs> um, he's sort of the just talked bigger... about Bill Pullman last week. <laughs> yeah, he he's sort of a bigger piece of the puzzle in the Lost World, if I'm remembering correctly. But he's not in the third Jurassic Park. And he has, like, one line in it or something. And then he, like, has one or two lines in Jurassic World. Mm-hmm. And then I'm pretty sure he's coming back for this third one. Actually, let's check. We're going to find How out. How many Jurassic Parks does that make? Too many. Six. It'll be the sixth one. Jesus Christ. Two trilogies. Uh, let's see. Hey. Oh, he's in, obviously, he's in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We yeah. love him for it. Ragnarok. He is. He is, is playing Ian Malcolm in Jurassic World Dominion. All right. Dominion. Oh, Jesus. Oh, he is phenomenal <laughs> on Search Party. If nobody's watched Search Party, he's oh, yeah. on that. Um, he does the voice of the Grandmaster even on the What Ifs series, which I Oh, love. cool. He does a lot of video game voices. Uh, he's looks got like a good he, voice. He's, he's got, got a good look and a good voice. A good look, a good yeah. voice. Uh, he's he could one do of the TV voices and radio. in Isle of Dog. Uh, oh, is he? Isle of Dogs, yeah. Which does he do Wes fine. Anderson stuff? No, but he should do more. I feel like he's done that one and maybe one other. Does he show up in like Grand Budapest? Yeah, he's the deputy. Yeah, of course. He's okay. in Grand Budapest. But I feel so like he's like maybe... extended family in the Wes Anderson world. Yeah, and I wonder is he in uh Tenenbaums? Oh, it's been a long time since I, feel like I don't he might think be. so. No, he's not. He's not in Tenenbaums. Okay. Uh all right. Next, Tom Berenger. And uh, Tom Berenger is interesting. I don't know his career that much. No, he he uh, he got quiet. I mean, he works all the time. He does a lot of episodics, and he's done some TV shows and stuff like that. But he, I know him best from Major League. Major, Major League, League is probably universe. What, he got an Oscar nomination for Platoon a few years after The Big Chill. Right, that was right. a big one. That's like his big, big. Yeah, that was uh, huge. Role. Major League. I mean, we've brought that up on the podcast a hundred times. Uh, one of the greatest franchises of all time. He's, I think, in all of them. Well. Movies. One of the best. <laughs> Top two. Uh, Top two franchises ever? Ever. Major okay. League and... <laughs> I'll give you that it might on, be the... On par with each other. It might be the second best baseball franchise. Yeah, that's what I meant. Time. Sorry, that's what after, I meant. Yeah. After, after Moneyball. Bears. Which, oh, yeah. No, sure, Bad sure, sure. Bears. <laughs> yeah, Bad Bears. They go to Japan. They go to China. They, they, go, to they, Japan. Go, they go to Texas. They go to Texas. Um, yeah. And he's in Inception. And he's, he's in Inception. He's that great part in Inception. Yeah. Uh, and since then, just like a lot of smaller stuff. He's in Black Warrant, which is coming out um, as Falcone, Nick Falcone. Um, and then, you know. Uh, he he's had a good career. He's good in this. I like him in this. He's great. He he sort yeah. of fits it perfect. You know, he he 
fits the character. The whole JT Lancer thing is still fucking funny to me. Like, especially them yeah. making fun of it, you know? Right, exactly. I want, I want a margarita and I want it now. I just fucking love it. And, you know, once they settle in after the, the burial, they finally have their first, like, settle in at, at Klein and Close's house. Berenger has this great line because he's talking about being in L.A., He's talking about how different it is in L.A. from the Midwest or from where or the East Coast or where they are. And he's, he says that he prefers the energy of these people that he's with because mm-hmm. in Los Angeles, he always feels like people want something from him. Mm. And that, like, hit hard for me because that's totally. a cliche now. Like, we all say that. Like, yeah, L.A., everyone's fake and everyone just wants shit from you. But then I – when you, but it's, like, fucking true when you compare back to where you're, wherever you're from – and you think about it, and you're like, yeah, because those those friends would would are like never expected anything from me but me, right? And even that's kind of what this movie's about in a weird way. Is like, well, Alex didn't expect us expect anything from. Him. He never called me. Yeah. Why would I have called him? Like, and that's that's kind of the gig. But like, I felt that a little bit. It, it does feel that way out here sometimes. It can feel lonely out here for that oh, reason. Oh, see, I feel that way whenever I'm home. Like, when I'm out uh-huh. here, people get me, and I can act the way I want to. When I go home, I usually set a stopwatch on how long it takes before someone tells me to be quiet. And I have to <laughs> act a certain way and talk a certain way, or I'm, you know, told that I'm unacceptable. Are you talking about your family, though, or are you talking about, like, just people in general? Yeah, because, I mean, when I go home, I'm not friends with anyone from home nobody i see right wants to hang out with me when i go home sure and i think yeah i think what you're saying makes sense to me where it's like i do feel more comfortable out here i do mm-hmm. feel like people get me more out here mm-hmm. however i do feel like even, it's a double-edged sword yeah i would say like not in our relationship but like i think in 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 like even some of my closer relationships sometimes out here i do wonder like but do they think i'm gonna be able to get them work do they think i'm gonna be able to help oh. them if i hit it are they oh, gonna yeah. like oh, i yeah. always have that little question really? behind me i've never yeah. felt that way out here i guess interesting maybe it's I... because everyone's like she can't get me anything <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. And and I will say a lot of it is since I started at the playhouse. A lot of it is like Sure. That sure. like Oh I, I bet f- I feel a lot of sort of like well, how can you you know, how can you hook me up at the playhouse? I, I get asked oh, constantly oh, that sucks. Give people auditions. I'm sorry. That and I'm sucks. like I'm not even I have no I can't even I wouldn't even know how to do that for you. Like, yes, I, yes. I don't even rooms. know who to talk to. Yeah, I like. They don't let me upstairs. No, that's not true. That's not true. But I, I you know, I am. I, I'm. I'm the manager of everything else. Like that's mm-hmm. that's not on my plate. So when people are like, "Can you get me an audition?" I'm like, "Bitch, go on Playbill. Go on Actors Equity and get yourself an audition. I can't help you. I, what would I do? Walk in and say my friend wants to audition, and they'd go, "No." And that would be the end of it. You know All what I right. mean? Well, I'm sorry. That does suck. I wouldn't like that. Yeah, it's fine. I We should spend another half hour on it, actually, because <laughs> this is my therapy. Every single week. Uh, okay, Behringer's great. Who's next? Uh, Hurt. Bill Hurt. The big Hurt. The big I feel hurt. like he must be Jeff Daniels' older brother. <laughs> They're... That would have been a good casting. Yeah, point. actually, yeah. I mean, Jeff Daniels were... has got to be a little bit younger than him, right? 10, 15 no, years? I'm willing to bet. Yeah. Let's look it up, but I'm willing to bet they're pretty... You know what's well... amazing about that, though, Siege, is hmm. that Bill Hurt 
does broadcast news as the anchor and has oh. like the perfect look for it and is like phenomenal broadcast news one of the best movies maybe ever uh and then the newsroom mm-hmm. which i have to rewatch which is just basically a show version of broadcast news so much so that the same thing the pilot is basically structured as broadcast news the movie there's a mm-hmm. four-year difference Jeff oh it's only four years, four years. okay but they could but they could have played brothers for sure mm-hmm. easily and uh he bill could have easily played his dad in like a flashback or something you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well um, and then like um because right around this time terms of endearment is coming out like right a year or so later and that's it's another kinda, brooks that that's another brooks and that's that's a young jeff daniels in there yeah. too that's yeah. right well, his, so so Hurt's first major play, I would say, is Altered States. Yes. That That's was... the one that sort of everyone's like, oh, shit. Right? Yeah. And then Eyewitness, Body Heat. That's the one that everyone's like, oh, okay. Okay, yeah. this is an actor to watch. And then uh, he does Big Chill. And shortly after, two years after Kiss of the Spider Woman, right after that, Children of a Lesser God, right after that, Broadcast News. Like, he's just, he's just knocking them down. Yeah, he got, like, nominated. Knock it down. Nominated for Best Actor, like, four or five years in a row. It was, like, an insane run. Oh, he's in Alice in 90. He's in the, (laughs) he's in The Plague. He's in, he's in so much shit. Jane Eyre. Which which Jane Eyre is he in? Jane, he's Jane. <laughs> he's Jane. He is Jane. He's the he's the sister up in the attic. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, it's the Charlotte Gainsbourg one with little Anna Paquin. Oh yeah. Okay, so I I haven't seen that one, but I'm sure he's great in it. And you know, Dark City. I'm just yeah. naming shit now. Yeah, I knew him as a kid from Lost in Space. We already brought up Lost in Space uh-huh. on this episode, <laughs> right. but he was the—he's the dad in the movie of Lost in Space, John I think, Robinson. I think this was the first thing I ever saw him in as a kid. Was the Big Chill? Like that was my intro to him. To most of them, probably because I, I was so young when I saw it. Did you know that he played Duke? Yeah, late to so Atreides in, in, in the, the Dune miniseries. Oh no, yeah. shit! Yeah. yeah, it's awful. Oh no, he's fine, but the show is it. It just falls so flat. Like, it, don't don't watch it now after the new Dune. Yeah, after the masterpiece. Uh, and maybe then James favorite... McAvoy plays Leto because oh. they they age up they age up the twins. That's All cool. right. Yeah. Uh, I probably my favorite Will Hurt performance is AI. Artificial intelligence. All right. He is the creator of the AI. He yes. is the creator of Haley Joel Osment. Mine is definitely Spider Woman. That's the one that I keep coming back yeah. to. And that's a fantastic. That one that's just a good choice. just changed me as as a young artist. Like yeah. it was so good. Him and Raul Julia. It's the fact that it's it's not it's a it's a, it's a tennis yeah. match between yeah. the two of them. It's great. Uh, he's in. Uh, into the wild he's chris mccandless dad oh, and into right, the wild yeah. he and uh and uh marcia gay harden are fantastic in that he's thunderbolt ross in the in mcu the, in yeah the yeah MCU. yeah first well, introduced in the incredible hulk yeah and he was supposed to be in the she hulk tv show i wonder if he finished yeah. that before. i bet he did because i think that's wrapped Okay. Um, but I, I could be wrong. But yeah, they were um, going to do a whole thing with him and mm-hmm. the Red Hulk storyline. And yeah, man. Bill Hurt. Good old Bill, Bill Hurt. Hurt. 
Also, this is something I've brought up on the podcast, I think, already, but I just want to shout it out. Uh, He's in a movie called The King's Daughter. It's a movie that was shot in 2014 that came out about two months ago. Mm -hmm. And it's a... So he's younger in it. He's, like, much younger in it. And it stars uh, Pierce Brosnan. Yes. Kaya Scodelario. And no, and Julie Andrews is the narrator. All and right. Rachel Griffiths has like three lines, and no one else else's of worth like in the whole thing. Wow. Um, but it is a really interesting piece of of nothing that I uh, just like of ephemera that I think everybody should check out. Um, so I guess his last like major performance though will will have been Black Widow. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. I wish that would have been better. Yeah. It was fine. It was good. I liked it was it. fine. Uh Kevin Klein. We already talked about him. Yes. Mary Kay Place. Oh, Mary Kay Place. What a phenomenal performance. She's it's, Meg. She's yeah, she kind of steals it for me. She might yeah. be my number two after William Hurt in the overall movie. She just nails. I think she's lines my favorite right. performance in the movie. Okay. I'm not, I'm not mad at that. Yeah. You know? But she's, I mean, she's just been, she's another one that just, like, starting in, like, what, 76? I think she was on Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. Oh, yeah. And then she just rolled from there. She's in Being John Malkovich. She's been mm-hmm. on, she's got 500 TV shows on her I mean, her, credit. Her, her, yeah, I mean, 500 is no hyperbole. Like, she, know, it's, it's, like, crazy. She starts in 73 on All in the Family. Cool. Oh wow! Nice. Within within five years, she does All in the Family, Mash, Mary Tyler Moore, damn, <laughs> like she, Mary Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, Forever Fernwood, Captain Kangaroo. Like she's all over the place, and she's on many episodes of all of these. Yeah, like has legitimate arcs. She's in um, Private Benjamin. That's Anybody right. has seen Private yeah. Benjamin? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, her first major film role was in the sequel to American Graffiti called More American Graffiti, which <laughs> should yes. never have been made. No, um, that should not have happened. But then she does The Big Chill. Uh, she does uh, a, a, a film that I love, The Explorers, uh, which <gasps> yes. she's yeah, yes. she's um, Explorers. She's River Phoenix's mom in that, I believe. Ma, River Phoenix. I know. Uh, and then she's in like a bunch of like Magical World of Disney movies, like oh, yeah. The Girl Who Spelled Freedom and things, the history of white people in America. Um, <laughs> and then, which is interesting. Um, and then she does. There's a. There's a. There's something I'm trying to think of that's like fucking awesome that she's in. Oh, one of my favorite roles of hers. I know it's a small role. She is in being John Malkovich. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she's the secretary who only mishears people. Like yeah. she can't ever understand anything anybody says. But unless you speak like in a weird gibberish kind of way or whatever. Um, and she just keeps like every time somebody says says something, she'll just be like, I'm sorry. I have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. And then she'll just move on. <laughs> She's so good. But her performance in this is like truly, uh, in my opinion, like breathtaking for something that could just be a girl who wants to get pregnant. Like, I just want a baby. I just have baby fever. And it's like, from the first moment, she's like hitting on hurt because she's like drunk and she's like high. Her, the way she plays high, 
She's not mm-hmm. doing it st- like silly. You know how you've seen American uh, Angels in America scenes where Harper just plays so pilled out that it's not even a good scene anymore? Right. Yeah, yeah, sure. She could have done that. Like she could have ended with Coke where you see like people doing Coke in a movie and they're just like, <laughs> and you're like, okay, mm-hmm. Keith Moon from Tommy, relax. Right. Like, <laughs> like fiddle about. Like it's like, it's not that. It's. It's real. She it's plays it so well. She and Hurt, I would argue, handle the drugs best in this film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's my opinion. No. Oh, and she's in uh, Girl Interrupted. She's fantastic. In Girl Interrupted, yeah. Uh, oh, Joe Beth Williams as Karen. Joe Beth, there's, she's another one that's just this great, fantastic utility player and has had an yeah. am- amazing long career. She age. had just done Poltergeist. Poltergeist yes. comes out right oh, before fun. this. Yeah. yeah. And two, she's in the sequel. Yeah. Uh, I don't know like how, where she started, but I guess her fr- she does a lot of, of TV. Somerset specifically is the show she was on, but she, her first film is Kramer versus Kramer. Right. She plays the secretary. In it. Right. And then Stir Crazy, which is a Gene Wilder... Uh, Richard Pryor. Uh, Richard Pryor flick. That is fine. I don't know that I've ever seen it, actually. Um, and then The Big Chill is her next major... After Poltergeist is her next major... She was the one that ended up, ended up, quote-unquote, with with J.T. Lancer at the end, right? Correct. They, that they was do the, it in the woods, I and gotta then say, they don't end up together. But she got, <laughs> was, yeah, No, they don't end up together. That was the ending where I was like... Yeah, he fucked you, and he's never going to return your calls again, girl. Yeah, but <laughs> that's also, kind of the agreement, though, because she keeps asking yes. about, like, can I take my... When when we come out with the boys to visit Hollywood, can you get us on a studio tour? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I think I can do that. Like, Aww. I think... Yeah, I don't yeah, think... Just I, say, no, this is a one-time thing. That's actually one of my favorite thing. parts of the ending is their ending. Because, so, the, we it gets to this place where, you know, jumping ahead, but we get to this place where they all either end up fucking or not fucking mm-hmm. and jeff goldblum's the only one who doesn't have somebody at the end of the night well glenn close well okay yeah, yeah okay but so one of my favorite parts of this movie is when the next morning they wake up she's putting her shirt back on and she's like okay so richard and the kids and i are gonna come see you <laughs> and you see that moment of him which behringer acts perfectly you see that moment where he's like oh you just brought up the fact that you're gonna you're gonna stay with him, but then he has that next moment where he goes, "Oh, this is the agree. Oh, cool. I get to just fucking move on." Yeah, uh-huh. it's like it's like he's both gross in that moment and like it's like, a catharsis. I think it's a catharsis yeah. moment for both of them. It's makes yeah. it kind of work. Like it, it's kind of shaking hands and walking away afterwards. And then she even like throws down one more like, and Richard Richard will like that. Richard, like, I, I want to make sure Richard that I'm like that. being clear that Richard is who I'm going home to. And you're just like, wow. After they had this whole blow up the night before, she pounds on his chest. Like, you're, you you tell me you you want me all this time. You make it so clear. And now, you know, great, great scene. Um, I think that's her best scene, arguably, yes. in the film. Yeah. Is between Baron with Behringer. Oh, yeah, for um, sure. Okay. Uh, well, let's clip through these a little quicker. Uh, uh, Meg Tilly. Wow. Jennifer Tilly's sister. I went down a weird rabbit hole looking her up. I was like, Jennifer Tilly, okay, okay. And I looked up her filmography, which she hasn't, I mean, she hasn't done as much as some of these other people. She was in a 2016 Sundance film with Natasha Lyonne called Anti-Birth. Oh my God. And it's like a drug addled, like horror film where at the end, Natasha Lyonne 
gives birth to a fully animated head and then gives birth to her skeleton. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's a Danny Perez flick. Okay. <laughs> I'll watch this. <laughs> you got to tell I I can't watch creepy stuff. I can't watch it, but I like reading about it and creeping myself out and this sounded like a full-on super creepy movie. <laughs> I'm all about sure. it. It also has Chloe Sevigny, so I'm going to be watching this film. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I'm going to be watching this fast. I've got to be watching this film over and over and over again. <laughs> um, no, she, so yeah, she, she fucking anti-birth. Uh, she's in War Machine in 2017, which I think is that movie with Brad Pitt, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's the Brad Pitt, like, straight to Netflix, kind of like, here, let's do another Men Who Stare at Goats, which also wasn't a movie that did well. So it's like, why would you do another one? Um, before this, though, like, I don't know, a lot of TV She's in Body Snatchers in 93. She's in The Two Jakes Mm -hmm. uh, in 90. Besides that, I'm not finding anything else. Agnes of God. Mm-hmm. I assume she, did she probably Agnes did that on stage. I think she got burned out, and I think Psycho she had two. some bad experience. She was in Psycho 2. Yeah. Um, yeah. A sequel she... that came, what, 30 years after I, the original? Yeah. I will also say, if you're taking this film and putting it back in the Midwest, I identified with her the most because I am the person that shows up to those group things at home, and I say stuff, and people are like, what? Right. Yeah, but... <laughs> I do. I think she she's this great, like, note um throughout and she's another like well and she's younger too well, yeah what is younger her dynamic she doesn't know them she doesn't right? know them she's she arguably Alex's girlfriend she, mm-hmm. she arguably knows kevin klein and glenn close because right. they're kind of their landlords but right. you know um and she's the one that finds him mm-hmm. yeah it was right. a real mess yeah <laughs> like, they'd only been together like four months but yeah she's kind of like the younger one and She's, She's not settled down. All yeah. of the, like, half of the guys hit on her the whole time. Right. She's got <laughs> this jaded nature that also, like, gives her this vibe of it feels like. And actually, I think this is maybe how, like, people read Lolita. We talk about Lolita a lot. Like, people were, they're like, oh, she's begging for it. And it's like, no, she's not. See, and I didn't, I didn't feel that at all. I thought she was just kind of, like, spaced out, like, Kind right, of a space cadet type. Right, but I'm right. saying the men in the movie right. feel like she's just like, oh, like she's that's available. How it, right, that's how the movie feels. Is like that's how it treats her in, in, yeah. in a small way. And but I think that works also, mm-hmm. especially for how it plays out. Uh, she's fantastic in this. Have we? Is there anyone else acting wise that we want to discuss? We covered no, I mean, the main the, ones. The, we covered the main ones. Don Galloway is Richard. Um, he has. He's, you know, kind of the awkward uh, square guy who doesn't really belong. You know, his wife maybe has some feelings for someone else kind of, thing. you know, that's he does a good job. He's, he's a snore. He does. He yeah. does have he does have a great line and he delivers it really well when they're when they all meet up and he's he's making a sandwich late at night. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's got the line about, you know, I uh, nobody ever told me it was going to be easy. Nobody ever said it was going to be easy. At least nobody ever said it to me. And he's like, I wonder if your friend Alex knew that. Like, mm-hmm. it's a really great delivery of a line that's yeah. kind of a part of the central thesis of the film. Um, yeah, it was an interesting use of an actor, but you never think of him. We talked about the fact that they've only ta- they only talk about Alex really, like, after the burial, they only really talk about him right at the beginning of the night, 
and then like at the end of the few days that they're together how long are they together is it like four days like the weekend i get it's the like sense that maybe days. they're all getting yeah. ready to yeah. leave on monday morning or something so, like the first night after the burial and stuff they they talk about him a little bit and they sort mm -hmm. of question things and then the final conversation that they all have together is why did he not write a note Hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it kind of feels a bit like this Alex guy is someone that they all sort of maybe envied in different ways. Sure. He's got a bill of a a bit of a Bill Brasky or whatever the his, yeah. you know the, <laughs> Is that what it is? We Bill Brasky, yeah, Bill yeah. Brasky. Uh or even like in Power of the Dog like Bronco Henry where they just keep talking about Bronco Henry. He was the best. He was the fucking best. It's like who is it? We don't know this dude. Um we don't know Alex. And so at the end, when they're talking about his suicide, we don't really know where he's coming from and, like, why he did it. Like, Glenn Close has the most insight, and she's like, I knew he was sad. I just didn't know it was this sad. Yeah. And they're all kind of debating, like, why it happened. Why, you know, should we have done something? And it brings up to me, and I think it's worth discussing here, like, suicide is, a, is obviously a very deep loaded topic and conversation yeah but what they're sort of asking in this final conversation is like whose job was it to help him yeah. it was it their job to call him every day and find out if he was all right was it these... his job to reach out i think it these are questions that people always ask when they yeah. experience something like this I exactly think just sure. giving voice to all of that right and and they're upset about it, right? You know, you can feel there's a tension about it. And sure. some of them feel, you know, I think it's Meg says, like, I, I, last time I talked to him, I had a fight with him. Mm -hmm. And I told him his life. Oh, yeah. His life and not worth meaning. And William Hurt goes, well, yeah, that's probably why probably he killed why himself. Kill himself. <laughs> and, it, and he's, you know, he's joking because it's not, it's, you know. No, yeah. All that's it's just diffusing, you know. I just think it's really interesting how we, and this is Bailey speaking, I think we we do blame and load on a lot of things onto people who take their own lives for the aftermath that we have to feel afterwards. Like, sure. I think there is a lot of that, like, and that's what this is exploring in a lot of ways is they're, they're like, all of their feelings that are wrapped up with Alex, all of their feelings that are wrapped up with the entire group, and them sort of by the end like and they they get out of this but they sort of start like some of them are like blaming alex in mm -hmm. some ways for yeah. a lot of what happened well he didn't goldblum even says like yeah i tried to reach out and he just pushed away so that's on him and it's like well fuck it's also know. stages of grief like sure. you go through the different stages yeah. and also guilt it's those layers bailey you're you're yeah. absolutely right you know uh, was there anything more that i could have done why did this happen or why didn't I reach out? It's not even necessarily guilt exclusively about the loss, but the, oh, what could have been? Not that you could have saved him, right. but that you could have reached out. You could have done more to be more active, you know? Right. There's a, a quote I read recently about the idea of you have to cultivate your friendships. You have to work on your friendships and selecting what the, which ones those are going to be. Yeah. Hint, not you guys. No, uh, <laughs> yeah, fuck but you. that's a, it's, it's a, it, you know, it's, it's, it's work. And, you know, these people that are 
part of your life and part of your memory and part of your identity, you know, um, and who helped form who you are as a grown up, especially if you're talking about going from college to your 30s. And so it just it hurts. It just hurts. Any kind of loss like that hurts. And then they all liked him. It they will all, hurt. Yeah, it will hurt. It William hurts. William hurts. But yeah, I um, I uh, I, I was I was pleasantly surprised at how well it held up over the years because I hadn't watched it in years, but watched it regularly as a kid because this is right as I'm moving to Okinawa, so we only have videos of movies, so the same movies just got played over and over sure. again. And this was one that my parents obviously identified with, so you know they 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 connected and i enjoyed it because i thought I could, I could be grown up and enjoy it too and yeah you, know, you can because you get sucked into this, again those one-liners and those brilliant little moments you know right last little thing that i think is interesting is uh the first thing they shot was one of the flashbacks that got cut hmm. with costner with all of them and uh it was meant to be the final scene of the movie yeah that showed all of the friends, including Alex, back during college, and they do a Thanksgiving dinner together. Mm. And this is what they were sort of creating when they did the five-hour, let's make a Thanksgiving dinner together mm -hmm. kind of thing. Uh, so, But that just got cut, and it's just gone forever. It's just this piece of, <laughs> of film that'll just never exist anymore. Uh, I really enjoyed watching this. I, I did too. It was a great rewatch. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, okay. Anything else? <laughs> no. Tom no. Berenger got married on the lawn of this house because he liked the house so much. Yeah. Right. The house is that great. They shot yeah. it in. Yeah, it's a cool house. Uh, I don't have anything else. Do you have anything else, Siege? You feeling anything? No. I no. I, I'm glad I watched it. Had never seen it before. So yeah, it was good times. Yeah. Good times. Uh, good and stuff. Yeah, a good and stuff. Thank you for joining us for theater, theater and stuff. Join us next week. Uh, we're beginning our mini series finally on Lynn ah. Nottage. Crumbs from the podcast of Joy. We'll be covering uh, her evolution through three works: Intimate Apparel, Ruined, Ruined. and Ruined, and Sweat. Yes. Pulitzer Prize winner. Sweat. I thought it was called Sweet. Well. <laughs> If I misread it all these years. Read those if you have time. Uh, and then our next in stuff is a CJ pick, mm -hmm. which is what, Siege? It's Cyrano, though <gasps> we may we may need to talk about it because it's kind of hard to get your hands on. It's not in theaters right now. It might be a I'll thing where we it. have to get together and watch it. I will it. buy yeah. it. We all right. will watch it. Okay. Yeah. I, I just don't want to make us spend a lot of money to see it as all. No, I'm, no, a, I'm a big fan of this movie. It's a, the new Joe Wright. Pick. Yes. Uh, I'm a big fan. I don't think a lot of musical people are going to like it, though. So <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to tell you I want to see great. it. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to do that after Nottage. So that'll be in like With Casper. Month. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And we'll have Casper Washington on for all three of the Nottage episodes. So they'll be here. We're recording next Tuesday. I'm so yes. pumped. Yes. Uh, they'll actually be recording from New York, which is hardcore. That's awesome. That's all I got. Uh, do y'all have questions or comments? Please, please email us. You can also reach out on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Scott? 
Thank you, CJ. A big shout out to Ryan Thomas Johnson for writing our theme song. Our theme song is better than your theme song. Yep, it's true. And you're about to hear it. He also writes all of our stingers, and he's a hell of a great guy. Also, big shout out to Pam Quinn for yep. writing our In Stuff theme song, which you heard at the beginning of the show. She's a frequent contributor and an amazing human being. And finally, to the great Pulitzer Prize winning playwright Annie Baker for writing every single one of our episodes. Um, uh, um, uh, uh, Scott? Yeah. Hi. Hi. And one day, Annie Baker, we're going to buy you a beer. It's true. Please go rate, subscribe, review. It really does help. Uh, we love you guys so much. Peace. Deuces. Go watch The Big Chill. Happy 69th birthday to my mom today. Aww, 69 the right big now. She's 69. Joy nice. is 69. Joy is 69. <laughs> 69 is joy. No, it's the worst position. I know. Something about love, you gotta want it bad. If that guy's got into your blood, go out and get him too. If you want it to be the very part of you that makes you wanna breathe, here's the thing you do. Tell him that you're never gonna leave him. Tell him, tell him. that you're always gonna love him. Tell him, tell him, tell him, tell him right now. Doom, 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 doom. Later, everybody. The theater, the theater. Theater, theater.